Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, where we chat about great books with awesome authors, and you, our listeners, get to ask the questions. I'm Tavia Kowalchuk, and today we're talking about a book about books, and about a bookshop, and about a bookworm. <laughs> so this reminds me of another book that I read during the like the heavy days of the pandemic, you know, like mid-2020, called The Lost and Found Bookshop by Susan Wiggs. This book made me feel so good. It was set in a bookshop in San Francisco that was fighting to survive against the economy, against the greater forces of customer fluctuations and book prices and all of that and mounting debt. And um, it's a story about family love. It's a story about a woman who uproots her life and finds herself in San Francisco. It's such a good book. And one of my favorite things is that you can read this book and come away with a reading list of like another 20 books to read because they're always recommending books throughout the novel. And I'm Bianca Flores, and Tavi, I'm so glad you brought up The Lost and Found Bookshop by Susan Wiggs because I love that book so much. I just want to live in, in like the world of that book. And it's funny because I live in San Francisco, so I might as well live in the world of oh that book. Oh, my gosh. Um, But in terms of books about books, which is like my favorite genre, by the way, I really loved A Perfect Murders by Peter Swanson. Um, I don't want to say too much because it is a thriller, and it is... I think the best thriller out there. I love Peter. Um, so I'm not gonna, you know, give away too much, but the the protagonist works in a bookstore. He owns a bookstore. So there you go. That's my connection. And I don't want to give away too much more. <laughs> well, our listeners know a little bit about the book because we interviewed <gasps> Peter true. about it in season one. So that's true. There you go. Yeah. Go listen to that episode, everybody, yeah. if you haven't yet. <laughs> that was fun. Peter was a great guest. He was right. super fun. I, I remember how him. He was now. just so like <laughs> friendly and cuddly. Yes, he's great. (laughs) On today's show, we'll discuss The Bookshop on the Corner, about a book lover's journey to finding her own happily ever after. And later in the show, we'll be joined by New York Times bestselling author Jenny Colgan. And later in the show, after we speak with Jenny, we will be joined by Kelly and Anita from the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast to chat all things bookcases. I am so excited for this conversation, so please do not miss it. I'm totally geeking out and note my bookcase background. This is (laughs) my passion here. Like if I could, I'd have bookcases on every wall of my apartment. Me too. And now we present to you the Bookshop on the Corner, Abridged. Nina spends her days working at a library in the city of Birmingham, England. She has a love for pairing people with the perfect book and she is remarkably good at her job. Her nights are spent cozying up with her favorite novels. This simple, quiet life gets upended when Nina is laid off and library branches across the city are shut down. Encouraged by friends and a random life coach, she moves to a sleepy village in Scotland, buys a van, and starts a mobile bookshop. Along the way, she builds friendships with the locals, learns how to help birth lambs, becomes an expert in purchasing books in bulk at auction, and develops a tentative relationship with two vulnerable children who live in the area. Nina also strikes up a relationship with a freight train conductor with whom she swaps books and notes via a tree that hangs over the tracks of her local rail crossing. Even though all her customers seem charmed by Nina and her book recommendations, she can't seem to break through her landlord's grouchy demeanor. Eventually, 
Nina will need to put down her novels and open up to her own happy ever after. Bianca, okay, you already admitted this is your favorite genre. What did you think (laughs) of the bookshop on the corner? Yes, I love this book. I love exactly what you just said, books about books. And this was totally in that category. I mean, just speaking about the beginning of the book, it opens with, you know, a list of the best places to read. I'm like, yeah, I love, I let me just get a book to read in all these places. <laughs> it totally inspired me to read, which was perfect because I had this book to read in my hands. Um, <laughs> and in fact, we are going to link to this list in our show notes for this episode. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we're going to share that part of the book. It is really, I, I was utterly charmed from this odd introduction that, yeah. it, and, and I said, <laughs> okay, it, it's going to get better from here. Like, this is not going to be the best part. I had absolutely no resistance to this fantasy of buying a van and turning into a bookshop in oh, yeah. Scotland. <laughs> like, what? I was 100% now I want to fall in love with a Scott. I mean, listen, I was already there because of Outlander, but now, like, truly, oh, like, okay, <laughs> where's my where's my Scottish Islander? Like, he needs to show up here in Queens, New York. <laughs> I know exactly. I, I've never been to Scotland. And now I'm like, well, I need to get a van and I need to go to Scotland. Like, what? <laughs> why, I'm clearly not living to my fullest potential. Like, why am I not doing this? And just, again, like, I felt like it was just so easy to fall into this novel because the descriptions were so immaculate. I think there's a part in the book that describes Scotland and it says it's, there's rain in the air, wind in the grasses, and stars overhead. And it just paints, like, the perfect picture to live in. Like, I want to live there. (laughs) No, I truly agree. The descriptions of the countryside are divine. And Nina has such resonance with it. Like, she really, it really speaks to her, that the the landscape. Um, Also, Jenny's voice as an author, even beyond the descriptive, the sort of, like, scenery description parts, her voice as an author is so delightful. It's gentle and straightforward. It's funny at times. There was one part in the book where she was, Nina was sort of thinking about her past boyfriends, and she had dated, she was dating this sort of, like, bleak, negative, despairing (laughs) poet. And the way that Jenny wrote about the poet was so dismissive. (laughs) It was hilarious. So funny. Oh, my God. I loved it. I loved it. Like, I feel like I've dated that person in the past. I mean, haven't we all at some point? (laughs) Stupidly. Yeah, (laughs) all all of us readers, I'm sure we have, and anybody beyond that, too. You're a poet? Ooh. Exactly. (laughs) Like, oh, God. Rolling my eyes now. (laughs) But on a different note, I also love that she dove into the hardships of librarians in terms of the tough job market. Tavi, I worked at a library in college and I know I just talked about the hardships, but I have to say it was one of the most peaceful jobs I've ever had. It was just so nice just sitting in the quiet with surrounded by books. Like it was just so lovely. So I also worked as a library. It was my very first job. (gasps) Oh, I was like. 12 years old or something. I was in middle school and I used to take the bus from the middle school to the elementary school and all the students would be gone and I'd go into their library and reshelve all the books that got checked back in that like dropped off that day. Right. Except I was a very bad employee because sometimes I would take naps and I wouldn't shelve anything. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cute though. I'm just thinking of like little Tavia and on the bus going to her job. Oh my gosh. It was was really cute. It was really yeah oh my god (laughs) and then the only thing i feel like is missing from this book which otherwise in every way is a hundred percent perfect is 
I need Nina's reading list. She talks about all of these books in the novel. Like, I want them collated into a list. I want to take that piece of paper and go yes. to the bookshop and be like, load me up. Bianca, let's toast to our um, our Scottish true love that will one day <laughs> appear on our doorstep. Yes. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers to that. To him. <laughs> We love hearing from our listeners. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this episode. And you can also participate in conversations about great books in the lively comment section of our Instagram feed at Book Club Girl. Today, we're joined by Jenny Colgan, whose book, The Bookshop on the Corner, is out now. Welcome, Jenny, to the Book Club Girl podcast. We are so excited to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to be speaking to you. Goodness. <laughs> All right. So let's get things started by talking about Nina's big move to Scotland. I am totally obsessed with the way you portray the scenery of Scotland. So I heard you live in a castle there, actually, which is just so incredible to me. So I've got to ask you, how did you fictionalize the Scotland that you live in? Well, do you know, I, it, it didn't really need much fictionalising. I mean, <laughs> obviously, there's lots of different types of writers write about Scotland. So there's Urban Welsh would write about one particularly bleak um, side of it. And of course, we're very famous for crime writers, people like Ian Rankin and right. Val McDermott. So, you know, so I always kind of want to kind of say, actually, it's not just, you know, heroin and murder. It's a very beautiful country <laughs> with very nice people. And so I, that's, that's the kind of way uh, of, of my Scotland that I like to look at. Small villages um, and small communities uh, were a very northern country. We're quite a cold country, quite a farming community. So, you know, I'm interested not just from my own country's perspective, but of how people live in small communities and obviously the positives and negatives of that experience. All right. I definitely prefer the Scotland in your book than like the crime ridden Scotland in other books. So thank you for this. (laughs) (laughs) And so does Nina. Nina and you know she doesn't even realize it i think how happy and how much she likes it there at first and she you know i really enjoyed her character she's someone that i could absolutely see myself being friends with i really appreciated her obsession with all things books i mean this is what makes this book so me your you know bookshop on the corner so amazing is that um it's just all about books it there's books everywhere and but however nina is I'm like going back to Nina now. She is timid. <laughs> and I love how she comes out of her shell in Scotland. When she's in England, she's, you know, she just holds up in the corner in her in her apartment and reads books. But what do you think the final catalyst was for Nina for her to take the leap and start her bookstore? Like there was a series of events, but like what's the one thing if you had to say that was the spark that lit the match? Well, I think she kind of gets, you know, but slightly backed into a corner, but also, you know, we have these little vans that go around because we have a lot of isolated communities and we do have little trucks that sell books, but also your bank comes in a little truck that, that oh they goodness. kind of drive around and your your banking comes in a little van if you live far off the beaten track. Wow. Um, so I kind of like to think that, you know, that side of things really appealed as well. But I think sometimes it does... It's been interesting to me with um, how many people have wanted to change jobs post-pandemic and, and, you know, have really thought about their careers. And 
am I doing what I really want to be doing with my life? And I think, uh, obviously, there's no uh, pandemic in this book, but, uh, but that kind of idea, it's just like, am I, is there something I could be doing that would suit me better than my life as it is? And I think we've had more time in the last couple of years to think about that uh, than before. Yeah, she right. really is. She really could be a transplanted character right to today. Like she, she grapples with a lot of the same things that I think her 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 peers. I think there's also an element to bravery, you know, that that helps Nina move. Right? She, she, I think she kind of like comes out of her skin, and she's like, you know, I, I'm, I want to do like this big, bold, brave thing. I want to, you know, change my life. And I guess I'm mentioning that because I, I think the way you portray bravery in this book is really interesting and really, I guess, multidimensional. At first glance, Nina, you know, she's the quiet, unassuming friend who would rather, you know, live life through a book while Surrender is off gallivanting and having the time of her life and dating these guys and, and doing all sorts of things. So I think at first glance, Surrender might seem like the braver of the two, but Nina, I think, eventually makes, you know, the bravest, boldest choice of all, uprooting her whole life to follow her dreams. So how would you say bravery is defined in their lives? Well, I mean, first of all, I think uh, society really underestimates introverts um, a lot of the time. And there's a sense that if people aren't talking or if they aren't putting themselves out there, then they don't have anything to say or they're not that interested. And I think that's a terrible mistake. Um, quite often people that talk a lot don't have a lot to say. <laughs> quite often people that are very quiet are, are actually noticing everything and understanding everything that's going on. So I think there's a bit of that in it, kind of, you know, introvert power, um, which is important. Uh, and then, But then the other thing, and I think getting older, um, that I realise more and more when I look back on not just my life, but the, my contemporaries' lives, is doing nothing is a choice. It is also a choice. And I think... Sometimes people don't realize that, that you can do something or you can do nothing, but they're both deliberate actions. And what I always find interesting is quite often when people do something, it doesn't matter what they do. I strongly believe that quite often if you choose to do something, to take a new job or to have children or to move country, it almost doesn't matter what it is. It's the effort and the fact of doing something that takes control of your life will make you learn and make you feel better. And what you do is almost secondary. Whereas I've seen people who have been too scared to choose or too scared to try the new career, too scared to, to try the new job or the, the get out of the bad relationship. And then they end up where I am in my 50s. And actually, you know, things have not turned out so well. And anything, anything would have been a good move. So I think when you're struggling to make the... A choice, and Nina makes a choice. It almost doesn't matter. If you're at a place where you, in your life where you need to make a choice, the details of the choice are less important than your own ability to make it. Wow. I feel like that was just like a little therapy session. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a terrible therapist. <laughs> Read more books. <laughs> well, Nina does sort of have that moment, right? Like, she when she she gets into it around the van and at one point he says i'm not selling it to you no i can't sell it to you. just this little this little woman and she gets really indignant and and she also gets a little disgusted with herself for hesitating right she's like why am i afraid of this like i'm just going to do it i'm just going to do it and she sort of talks herself into it and it was one of those i think it's what she said like she decided just to do something and that was the thing that she did 
You're listening to the Book Club Girl podcast, where our guest this week is Jenny Colgan, whose book, The Bookshop on the Corner, is out now. You can read more about Jenny's books at bookclubgirl.com. And coming up on the Book Club Girl podcast, we asked Jenny about her affinity literary character. You don't want to miss this. I bet. Yeah, it's going to be a good answer. This episode of the Book Club Girl podcast is brought to you by the Reading and Writing Podcast. Do you yearn to write your own novels and stories? Listen to the Reading and Writing Podcast to hear tips and tricks from many best-selling writers. Interviews with Dean Kuntz, Sandra Brown, Jocelyn Jackson, Carol Goodman, and many, many more. Find the Reading and Writing Podcast today on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to the show. Each week, we bring you a fascinating new conversation with an author who's written a book we think is a great choice for book clubs to read together. Today, New York Times bestselling author Jenny Colgan is here with us answering questions about her romantic finding yourself novel, The Bookshop on the Corner. So on this podcast, we have very enthusiastic listeners who are avid readers like we are, and they often have questions for our guests. And so Heather, one of our listeners wants to know, was the bookshop in your book inspired by a bookshop in your life? And then she adds, there is just something magical about these places. Oh, thank you, Heather. I agree. I think there was something magical about many bookshops. The mm-hmm. Nina's Bookshop on Wheels was not inspired by anything other than the fact that I thought you could do it. And thereupon, somebody did immediately do it. There is one. And um, <laughs> there's also one on a barge in London. If you bought the canals, there's a bookshop on a barge, which is awesome. And uh, so now I'm constantly, and now there's one in Canada. So I'm constantly sent pictures of little <laughs> traveling bookshops that, that, that do exist. Uh, but I worked in a bookshop. It was my first job. And I think there is something peculiarly beguiling about the idea that you could see someone come and go, I know what you're going to love and you're going to love it. You know, that is, that's an exciting thing. Totally. Um, Totally. We have another listener, Krista, um, who wants to know a little bit more about this. And she said, or she asked, what research surprised you in learning about bookmobiles? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, (laughs) very little in the way of bookmobile (laughs) study programs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I honestly, thank you, Krista, for your lovely question. I, Honestly, you know, in my in my book, like she has a chandelier in the van. I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's true. I think actually, I have uh, there when we lived. We lived in France, and there they had a library in the van. They had a big library van, and I think actually that did stay with me. And what um, what was really surprising is you can get a lot more books in than you would think. It's the same as your bookshelves. You know, when you're moving. And you think, I'll just unpack this bookshelf and it takes up like 157 cardboard boxes. Yeah. Of, you know, it's tons right. and tons. Yeah. You can actually fit more in. And uh, also, you know, if you think about the books in the world, right? Lots of books are kind of good. Lots of books are terrible. There's very few books that are like so awesome that you would want to make sure they were in every bookshop you were ever in, you know? So mm-hmm. I like that. If you had to really curate and really choose and go, I'm mm. only going to have you know, mm-hmm. the best of the best. That's a nice thing. That's true. So I am, I guess I'm a, a little bit of, I'm practical, I'm a little practical. And so my favorite detail about the the, the bookmobile 
that Nina owns is that she straps the books in. She buckles them in for when she drives around. <laughs> so I was cute. like, because when yeah. she was totally talking about this, I'm like, you're going to have to secure the books. How are you going to secure right. the books? And until you put that detail, <laughs> I was obsessing on that, Jenny, the whole book. <laughs> I, I see now I'm starting to worry that it's in America, it's marketed as nonfiction in terms of how to run a van. Yes. I just dove very deeply into the fantasy. I was totally there Good. for her. Yeah. I'm very happy to hear that. I, do you know, I will send you the um, book fan that's in Scotland. And you can oh, pay, I keep do. trying to meet up with it so that we can kind of say hi and get our photograph taken. But um, yeah, because I now I'm, now I'm extremely interested to know how they keep the books on the wall. Yeah. Te- I'm going to write like a technical spec. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, what what are the uh, the architectural drawings for the inside of that bookmobile, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, a few of our listeners had the same question. Barry, Sharon, and Allison want to know if you can share some of your personal favorite bookstores in real life. And if you have a favorite indie bookstore, what is it called and where is it located? Ooh, that's a good question. I love um, Daunt's in Marleybone High Street, which is mm-hmm. your absolute classic that's got a little circular stair up to the kind of mezzanine section. It's a beautiful bookshop. I, do you know, I can hang out in any bookshop, really. I love Tills in Edinburgh. And Tills is great because it's a, it's a secondhand bookshop, but it's a really, really good one. You know, the, the, it feels mm-hmm. like just brand, the only, all their stock is in wonderful condition. It's right. a beautiful old green building by the meadows. But the best bookshop in the world and everybody knows this by the way it's not just me is the Wigton bookshop Wigton is a book town and it is in Scotland now lots of places in Scotland are quite remote and quite far away from other places Wigton is so remote um it's like four hours from you know the nearest airport it's really 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 far away it's right down the bottom uh, and it has about 16 bookshops for a population of about 19 people. And oh one of God. them is absolutely huge. And you can lose yourself in it all day. You can eat in it. There's a little dining room upstairs. There's a, You can sleep in it. Uh, you can actually stay in it overnight. They have a bed up on top of one of the stacks. It's run by a guy called Sean, who's notoriously... Um, opinionated (laughs) 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 what kind of books and book buys he likes and it's heaven honestly the whole of Wigton because it's so out of the way it's unbelievably untouched and glorious even by Scotland standards so we have one final question for you every episode we ask an author if you could be any character from any novel who would you be I suspect I'm probably not the first person that's going to say Thursday next. Do you know who that is? You are. You are the first person. I am. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Thursday next is she's a literary detective uh, in the series of novels by a British uh, writer called Jasper Ford. Uh, The first one of which is called The Air Affair, E-Y-R-E. And she has to go in and out of novels and solve mysteries and crimes. And sometimes That's she's in Beatrix awesome. Potter. Uh, this one, she's in Jane Eyre. Uh, sometimes she has to go into kind of gum 
hard-boiled thing and she kind of solves wow. problems and she deals with Mrs. Rochester and um, she's brilliant and she's kind of, she's what you would expect a, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of quite hard-boiled detective to be like, but also she's in Mary Shelley and she just, that's it, she goes from book to book solving things in the world of books. How did I, I not know, know about this? I don't know why this. it's not a massive, massive deal. I love Thursday Next and many writers and readers of my acquaintance are also massive do, do, do check her out. She's uh, this is yeah. going on my TBR list 100%. Me too. This is on my list. Yeah. Jenny, oh That's my God. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We had so much fun talking to you and reliving the wonderful reading experience that is the bookshop on the corner. And I cannot wait to go to, is it Wigton? 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 Wig- yep. Wigton? I cannot wait to go to Wigton. It's, it's spelled Wigtown, but it's pronounced Wigton. By- Wigton, yep. There you go. And so you're sure that you're in the know now when you head exactly, down. Exactly, exactly. I'll say it correctly. So, yeah, so Bianca, you and I will have to practice how to pronounce Wigton, and then you can come on the girls' trip too, Bianca. Oh, thank you. My, well, you must honor. pop in while you're there. Yeah, There's exactly. no popping in from Wigton, but, you know, we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Jenny, for being here with us. Thanks, Tavia. Thanks, Bianca. Now the moment we've all been waiting for is here. We are so excited to have Kelly and Anita with us today, the hosts of the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast. On their show, they give practical, stylish, and useful advice on decorating beautiful homes. Today, they're joining us to share some quick takeaways on decorating book nooks and more, my favorite topic. So welcome to the show, Kelly and Anita. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're so happy to be here. And you all are so delightful. Oh, thank you. And I love your podcast. I've <laughs> listened to all of season one, so I'm looking forward oh, wow. to season two. It's great. Yeah, it oh is. Oh my gosh, yes. Kelly. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. That is some major dedication. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about decorating book-related areas. I love my bookcases, as you can see behind me right now. Yes. But I am I have no professional tips, so I cannot wait to hear <laughs> from you guys. But I need to ask you first... Are you readers and do you love books? We are readers and we do love books. And often we give crushes at, well, all the time we give crushes at the end of our podcast. And a lot of times they're decor, but a lot of times they're also book related. And we're also authors. So we are way in to the book scene. Hell (laughs) yeah. I love it. Excellent. Excellent. Do you want to just say the name of your book for our listeners? Sure. Mine is My Soulful Home, A Year in Flowers, and it's all floral design and tips and whatnot, how to create beautiful arrangements easily at home. And Anita has two books, actually. (laughs) Well, no, I just have one book, but there's a first and second edition. So it's in the second edition now, but it's French (laughs) accents, farmhouse French style for today's home. And it's farmhouse French style. I mean, it's really kind of an updated country French style with more neutrals. And it's a fun thing. So earlier in this episode, we spoke with Jenny Colgan, the author of The Bookshop on the Corner, and we asked her a question that we would love to ask you two. So we asked her, what does your dream reading spot look like? Oh, well, I think I just created it. (laughs) We had an extra bedroom (laughs) and I moved in my French chairs and my French settee. And then I I got this uh, Louis XVI kind of cream colored upholstered uh, day bed. 
because when I read, I like to put my feet up. And uh, wow. it's, it's I've got a little pine, uh, antique pine bookcase there with my books in it. And it's got a little place for me to set my uh, cup of tea while I'm uh, reading. And there's a view down the street uh, where I can kind of see my neighborhood also. And it's quiet. I can shut the door. And that is, that's really my dream little spot to read. When you said satay, I got the chills. I was like, okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So nice. (laughs) So for our listeners who are setting up their own book nooks, what are the design must-haves for this type of space? It's really simple. And you can really do it anywhere. And Anita and I advise people and, and show them how to do this in any style home, in any size home. You really just need a chair, an ottoman or a little poof, a small side table, and some good lighting. You don't even need a giant bookshelf. That's great. But you could just carry your book over and sit in your chair. And you can carve that space out of of almost any room. Usually somebody's got kind of an awkward or abandoned corner. So slide the chair in there. If you can angle it, that it's looking out a window or you've got some sort of view, that's wonderful as well. But if not, that's okay because you're going to be reading your book as long as your chair is comfortable. (laughs) right? And you can get a really inexpensive accent chair on so many different sites right now. And maybe that's a little bit of a pop color or an interesting fabric. And then do a fun little poof. It doesn't have to be a big ottoman. It could just be a little thing for your two feet. And you can even thrift a little side table, make it it's be so inexpensive, or and spray paint it, or maybe one of those little thin martini tables where you can't maybe put your book down, but you can at least put your wine glass or your tea mug or your coffee. So that's really all you need. And I would suggest an arcing lamp or at least a, a standing lamp where you're going to have some illumination coming down because you don't want to be straining your eyes. A table lamp is great if the table's big enough, but sometimes that light is just not as as nice for reading as if you're having something overhead. I personally love the suggestion of a poof rather than an ottoman because my pet peeve when I'm reading is when someone tries to distract, like get my attention. They want they want to talk to me, and if you have the ottoman there, where people feel like they can kind of like shimmy their butt on there and start talking to you. So if you have the poof, yes. there's nowhere for them to go. That's a good yeah, point. No and perch can sh- on a poof. Yeah, I love it. I love it. If you're in a big home and you have the availability to do like very extravagant bookcases, you know, similar to what I have in my bedroom or even bigger, I'm like very interested in the technical details of this. I have seen people hang pictures on the bookcases and I just love the way that looks. But one, I don't want to give up the footage. And like, do you put things behind the picture or like what do you or is it just blank? How does that actually work? Well, for a person like you who has a lot of books, I would have books behind it, but somebody could cheat it, right? And maybe not have a whole collection. And perhaps you're going to put that painting or a piece of art hanging in front of, you know, books that maybe don't have the most beautiful spines or books that are maybe a long collection of something and all the spines are very similar. So they're not particularly interesting to the eye. So you could strategically place those books there and then put the art in front of them. I love that look. It's very sort of English country, going to the estate for the weekend, going for dinner or a hunt or something. And then you go into the drawing room and there's the bookcases (laughs) and that. But, you know, it can also be a modern look too, depending on the type of art that you're putting in front of it and the, the style of the bookcase. But it's a really lovely way to get the best of both worlds for a person who loves books very much or a person who doesn't have a lot of space and has some books and also wants to display their art, it's a great way to do it. I wouldn't 
put the art where it's completely blocking a whole shelf. That would feel maybe a little strange. So sort of hang it like where your bookcases are meeting. So it's just coming across maybe a third on each of the shelves. So you're still exposing that particular shelf. But I think it's a great way to you know use both art and books at the same time. Okay, that's the next bookcase dream. That's, that's <laughs> you can the next do it one right now. Me. You can do it right yeah. now and try command hooks. You won't even have to make holes. I know, I know. I but I don't. I don't have the books yet that I want to cover up. I have. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> So once I find those, when like the my like the books I only like, not love, then yeah, then right. with the picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe you'll find a piece of art that you really, really love, and then yeah, yeah, you know, you're in the balance. Kelly and Anita, that was honestly so helpful and so fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody, tune into the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast that drops on May fourth to hear us talk about our favorite books on design. Well, thanks so much for having us. We had a great time. And you can find us at decoratingtipsandtricks.com. That's our site. You can also find us both on Instagram and Facebook. I'm My Soulful Home on Instagram and Facebook. And my blog is My Soulful Home. And Anita can tell you where she, you can find her. Cedar Hill Farmhouse on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Listen to the episode of their show, which dropped today, where you can listen to us chat about book stacks, our all-time favorite decor books, and more. You can subscribe to the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That was Jenny Colgan, whose book, The Bookshop on the Corner, is out now. To find out more about The Bookshop on the Corner and Jenny's other popular books, head to bookclubgirl.com slash podcast, where you can also find links to everything mentioned in this episode. Like what you heard? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are there, give us a rating and leave a review. Another way to help spread the word about the Book Club Girl podcast, tell a friend, tell your cousin, tell your family, tell your neighbor. (laughs) It really helps others to find us. Definitely. You know what you should do? (laughs) Listen to it while you're like commuting, like out in public somewhere and like just burst burst out laughing or like (laughs) start crying or like show emotion and people be like what are you listening to that must be amazing and then you can tell them all about the podcast i'm listening to this great podcast yeah there's a good strategy for you (laughs) (laughs) we love hearing from our listeners email us at the girls at bookclubgirl.com or post in the comments on our instagram feed at bookclubgirl You can also leave us a voicemail. Our number is 212-207-7336. Your voicemail or email could very well end up being read on the show. Before we go, we'd like to thank Caroline Quash of The Hangar Studios who produced today's episode and Rosalia Ryan who engineered it. Until next time, I am Bianca. And I'm Tavia. Happy reading. Every night, She'd gone to bed thinking about Marek, about his gentle, strange foreign ways, his unflappability, and this unexpected relationship that had somehow sprung up between them. She knew that the railway tree, ailing as it was, was just as important to him as it was to her. His notes, filled with poetry and the occasional snatches of his own language, felt to her deeply rich and romantic, and she had saved them, every one. Nights when he was not working or there was nothing on the tree were wholly disappointing. Nights when a bag rocked gently in the wind filled her utterly with delight.
But now, to meet, to be with one another in person once again, her heart sped up in her chest with excitement. Sarinda, predictably, was unimpressed. What are you going to do, snog on a train? What if you get covered in coal? Nina swallowed hard. Of course not, it'll just be, it'll just be a chance to stop and chat, that's all. Sarinda snorted. Oh, come on, Soars. It's just, it's been so long. What about Ferdy? Ferdy doesn't count. Technically Nina's last boyfriend, Ferdy had been a faintly cadaverous poet who'd hung around the library in Birmingham after an event because she was the only person who would listen to him. They'd ended up kind of dating, although he got very upset if he didn't feel she was listening properly to his poetry which was convincingly awful and squarely of the dead crow, I hate you daddy school. On the other hand, this had made it far easier to break up with him. Nina had simply indicated that she hadn't really understood the metaphors in his most recent work, entitled All is Black, 17, and he had flown into a rage and declared her a philistine. She'd heard that after that he'd given up the poetry, cut his hair and taken a job in a bank in Aston, but she didn't know if that was true. Well, he's certainly hung around my kitchen for long enough. That's not a real relationship, is it? And Damien, in university? Yes, you told him you were leaving him so that you could take on the world and go out and do lots of different things. Then you sat upstairs in your bedroom reading for the next eight years. Well, exactly. And now I'm here. And it's all exciting and full of possibilities. You're the one always telling me to get out there and do more. Yes, but not with some guy you met on a train.'